The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The Shaleen Show with your host and the only girl cut from the freshman girls basketball team, Shaleen Johnson. Hey, what's up, lifers? I'm so happy you're here. This this episode is all about happiness. And that little interesting tidbit, that little fact from my past came up today because I was talking to our guest, and he is a former pro basketball player who is 6'9". And I was telling him, I can't imagine what life would be like at that height. Like, it's a whole new world. And he said, yeah, Shaleen, I, I hear you're, you're like 5'2". And I'm like... <laughs> on a good day. And he said, yeah, maybe you could be my point guard. And that's when I had to break the news to him that I was, in fact, the only girl cut from the freshman girls basketball team. Wah, wah. But that's okay. It wasn't a failure. It was an experiment. You're in for a real treat today. My guest is going to share with you how he was able to transform not just his attitude in his life, but his, his whole perspective and not just adopt a new way of thinking, but practice and learn and master the skill of happiness. I asked Michael Anderson, the author of the book, The Experiment, How to Manage Stress and Achieve Work-Life Balance, to be our guest this week, because we're in that special week, that special week of the year for myself and my husband and, and all of the important people at Team Johnson that happens just once a year, and it's when we open up registration to our Smart Success Academy. So before we go into the heart of this interview, I, I just want to share a little something with you. For those of you who are, are new to me, maybe you've met me through podcasting and you have no idea what the Smart Success Academy is all about. Well, I just have to tell you that it is so appropriate that you're hearing from our guest today because the Smart Success Academy is my joy. It is my passion. It is something my husband and I do together. We coach, teach, support, and mentor very important people every step of the way, how to create their own blueprint, how to understand what it is and identify and define what it is they want. Then we reverse engineer the steps it's going to take to accomplish it. We teach people the systems because it's a system, it's a formula, meaning the right thing has to go in the right order that's needed to become more effective so you can earn more by doing less, which to some people doesn't even seem possible, but it is because we teach you the stuff that does matter so that you can restructure your habits recreate your life and not default to just always doing more, but but doing less, but more of the right stuff so that you can spend more time with the people who matter. So you've got the financial freedom that sometimes that requires. And on that note, if you're wondering why, and I, you know, I'm not sure when you're listening to this podcast, but we are in the first week of October. And if you're wondering why I didn't produce my normal output of podcasts last week for uh, Build Your Tribe and The Shaleen Show, here's why. I walk my talk, and I can say that with my shoulders pulled back and sitting up tall and great confidence because, yes, it's a goal of mine to deliver a certain number of episodes each week. But you must understand that that goal 
is secondary to being a great mom. A mom who puts her family first. And we just had some stuff come up last week. Let's just, let's just, you can see my air quotes. We had some teen issues, if you will, that required me to be on guard, on defense, like in, you know, war mode, basically. But really, it was I'm protecting my children. And part of that means helping them make decisions that require me to be present and focused and to make them my number one priority, not hitting a certain number of episodes that I, you know, made as a goal because yes, that's a goal, but it's not nearly as important as my goal to be a really present, focused mom. So my lifers, you matter. You matter very much to me, but my family matters the most. And I can say that without guilt or without fear that you might disagree because it's okay if you disagree because my friends, that is my truth. I preach it, I teach it, and I live it. So let me tell you about Michael. I've already mentioned he's six foot nine. He's a former pro basketball player. He's a successful entrepreneur. In fact, he had founded several international software companies. He was living the life, rolling up at the Playboy Mansion, driving the right cars, hanging out with all the cool people, and enjoying what most people would label, you know, from the outside looking in as incredible success. But Michael, like many goal-oriented, very driven individuals, had all these things, but he didn't have one very key ingredient. He did not have happiness. He did not have peace. And he just set out on a mission to transform his life and to get as serious about creating happiness and joy as any other goal he had set for himself. And in the process, he has found his calling. He has found his purpose, and now he helps others do the same. This episode is going to give you so many takeaways to improve your happiness because it's a skill. Joy is a skill. It is my pleasure to introduce to you our Michael Anderson. Michael, are you there? I am. I'm here and ready. I'm so excited to talk to you. I uh, want to share with my lifers that my team gets tons of emails from people who are really excited about the show and they get the message and they'd love to be featured. And, you know, we kind of go through them and they're like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. But when they ran across your stuff and were reading a little bit about what it is you do, they're like, oh, Shalene, you're going to love this guy. He's, you know, just really well lined with what it is our lifers love. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. And and, you know, going, I'm protective. It's like inviting someone into your home and to meet your family. And so before I introduce anyone to my lifers, I want to get to know you too. And so I spent a lot of time reading things that you've written and watching your story on video and learning more about what it is you've been through and your message is really so powerful. Can you tell us a little bit about how it was you came to believe so strongly in the message that you share with people? Well, Shalene, great question because I learned it the hard way. Um, (laughs) I had, I was always good at the scoreboard of life. I played semi-pro basketball. I lived in six countries and worked in six countries. I started three international software companies and I found myself doing well on the scoreboard of life, but I had no internal joy and fulfillment. And it was it was through a, a low point, which consisted of divorce, a really nasty business lawsuit, drugs and alcohol, which took me to a, a really reflective time in my life. And then I thought, you know, I'm a good achiever, so I'm gonna I'm gonna set my sights on finding how to become happy. 
and I earned my master's in spiritual psychology. And it, it was very life-changing, and it, it changed my life so much. And then I saw a lot of my other competitive-driven friends. I, I've seen that, that they were just so hard on themselves mm. that they would never be happy in the moment. They'd always be, I'm going to be happy when I make this amount of money or when I get this position or when I do this. And they always had that, that voice in the back of their head that was telling them how all the stuff that they were doing wasn't perfect. And, um, and through my studies and my practice, I got to, to change a lot of that in my life. So I studied, I created a company called Executive Joy, and I'm here to help other people go through the same transformation I had. Hopefully they don't have to go through drugs, alcohol, divorce, and a lawsuit to get there. <laughs> now, Michael, you said your goal was to be happy. Now, I am a very goal-driven individual, so I know that it's important that goals have a measure and a date, and you have a way of saying, okay, I, I can look at this and I've accomplished my goal. How were you able to say, all right, I've done this, and did you give it a date, and did you give it measure? <laughs> I was at such a low point, I was just trying to get out of the hole at that point. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really, it was really low. Though that's okay because I needed to go through that. Um, some of us need to learn these lessons in different ways. And I learned to actually have gratitude, and I'm very thankful things happened that way. Because if it, did, if I didn't, if I wasn't taken so low, I wouldn't have come up so high. Mm. And it was just my path. And now I have, to be honest, I can talk to people that are doing a lot of drugs, that are going through a divorce, and so I really know that that was part of my credibility, and that I went through that in order to to, to connect with other people. When, when did drugs enter into part of your being? I, you know, to think of someone who's that driven athletically, and I'm married to um, uh, an athlete. My husband, Brett, played football in college. That's how we met at Michigan State. And you know, we did a little bit of time in the pros. He played CFL football, Canadian Football League, and he was picked up by the Atlanta Falcons. And as he likes to say, quickly dropped. <laughs> but I know how precise his nutrition and his sleep and his training had to be. And I assume the same was true for you. At what point did drugs become part of your life? Well, to be um, really honest, you know, I'm 44 years old and now I am. And, uh, you know, I probably smoked marijuana for almost every day for about 18 years straight. So when I was in my late teens and I've done pretty much every hard drug you can think of, um, you know, I'm not proud of that, but you know, that's, those were facts about yeah. what I went through. And, um, at that time I just didn't have the internal skills to, to deal with life in a truly straight and sober state. What were you missing that didn't allow you to be happy that you now have? <laughs> well, I believe that everything is a, we call in psychology, we call it a pr projection that everything is a projection of our relationship with ourselves. So um, it, was the, it was the relationship with myself that wasn't very, that, that I didn't have the love and acceptance for myself. And so I did this to escape that mm. because it would take me out of my consciousness. So you had to find that for yourself. You had to love and appreciate yourself. The most powerful thing we can ever do is forgive ourselves mm. Mm -hmm. because we, we have these judgments on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I know you talked, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts when you talk about when, when parents get down on their kids mm -hmm. and, and criticize their kids, the kids have judgments against themselves. Oh, yeah. And, and if we have them, and we all have them, even if you're the Dalai Lama, we all have these things going on. It's when we can, when we can identify these and actually forgive ourselves, which, which releases that judgment, which brings ourselves more into the, our authentic relationship 
which is true love with ourselves. And sometimes, don't you agree that it is less about, well, I mean, it's always forgiving yourself too, but sometimes you just have to say, wait a second, that was irrational, the judgment or the way that I was treated as a child. I need to forgive the person who made me feel this way because I didn't deserve it. It was irrational. I was a good kid. I was valuable. I was lovable. I was smart. It was, you know, so it's almost like forgiving the person who injected these irrational beliefs upon us. Absolutely. Uh, And can I tell you a story about my biggest learning ever? I would love it. Okay. We're getting really deep, really quick here. (laughs) That's how it goes. Buckle up. Sheesh. Um, This is interesting. So um, we did a thing called uh, History of Loving. And my father was a uh, was an alcoholic uh, with multiple marriages, and he was a failed entrepreneur. And um, I thought he left my family when I was maybe 12 years old. And when I was young, he gave me a lot of affection. And then all of a sudden, when I was like five or six, he really stopped giving me that affection. He was always in a bad mood. He was a very functional alcoholic. I guess like I was a functional pot smoker. Um, he would, uh, and then he stop, started spending less and less time with our family. He'd be his his behavior would be very inconsistent. So I never knew if I'd get yelled at or get hugged or whatever. Um, and he was very stoic. So there wasn't any positive emotions coming, coming at me um, when I was in my formative years. So I always thought deep down that he was embarrassed of me. He was embarrassed of our family. We did something wrong. Oh. And it was, uh, and we did this process and he, he had already been passed away for about 15 years the history of loving for me, what that was is, is I wrote a letter to my father um, and it was in a very centered meditative state. You know, I just got really quiet with myself and I'm like, hey, as a little kid, what did my kid want to tell my father? And I, I wrote and I wrote, I said, you know, um, why don't you ever tell me you love me? Um, why aren't you proud of me? Why aren't you, you know, why didn't you show me love this way? You know, I really, you're an ass. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to swear, but you That's know, it's okay. just. Oh, I, I had a lot of this stuff coming up. And, um, and then I wrote a letter back from him to me. Mm. So again, he passed away. Oh this gosh. was me. Like, and it's not, it was not, I don't want to say channeling him, but this is what my consciousness was holding inside. So what, what the, the letter from him to me that I wrote back, what it said is, is Michael, um, you know, I'm supposed to be the breadwinner in this family. And, you know, I failed at that. And I'm having a problem hard time dealing with that. So the reason I'm not spending time with you and your mother and your sister is because um, I need to escape myself because I can't deal with the failure. And the reason I'm not involved with, with the family anymore is because I think you're better off without me. So, and I know in my heart that's true because when I look at it, it makes so much sense. And I know inside, it's not the fact that he was embarrassed of us. He was embarrassed of himself. Mm. So I just, I, you know, I cried. I forgave him. I forgave myself. Uh, you know, there was just that couple of hours doing that was just the most healing. That's just yeah. a, such a cool thing. I got goosebumps. I, um, I have to ask, which letter was harder to write? You know, neither was hard. It was just being clear that I was going to write that with no, without any crap getting in the way, without my ego, without mm-hmm. this is what I should say. It's like, look, 
Because I think that's what, to me, that's what meditation brings is, is it gets rid of all the, the shoulds and the egos and it's just very authentic. And so I just had to be an authentic place. And, and this is when I work with people and I don't, I don't do a ton of private coaching because it, it takes a lot of my energy. And this is really what I work with on these deep psychological, spiritual planes. But it, it's phenomenal and it's, it's just a, a, a blessing to even work with people and help, help them through some of these things. You said it, it's 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 hard. It's emotionally difficult to work with people on that level, and I I couldn't agree more. And I I want to honor you for respecting that and knowing you almost have to protect it to be good at it. You know, if you let people will say to me sometimes like, well, you know, how come you don't uh, do this or this with people one on one? And I do, but I have to do it very selectively, or I feel like then it would become work, or I w- it wouldn't be as authentic and as real because it's it really does take you to a certain place when you're connected with people on that deep, deep level and really emotionally connecting to where they are. Yes, because all, the, all these latent, huge feelings and things come up and it's up to us as the, the people guiding through this, Shaleen, to, you know, I'm sure as you know, to, to help them release this. And there's only, and, and we either have to protect ourselves, which takes energy, or, you know, sometimes we unfortunately absorb some of it. So I hear you. And, you know, you said something about your father that I want people to pay attention to because sometimes we think, well, I, I, had a great, I had a great childhood. I had an awesome childhood. I don't know why I don't feel loved, but I wasn't beat. And my mother wasn't an alcoholic. And, but even just the fact that your father was stoic affects a child because that word, I, I wrote it down because I thought stoic makes a child feel unnoticed. Hmm. And, and, and that alone can affect somebody all their life working to get a reaction from others because they didn't get it where they were supposed to receive it. Yeah. And, and if you grow up without positive emotion, you're not going to understand positive emotion. It's going to be hard for you to accept positive emotion. What do you mean by that? Well, the, you know, they say 60% of our, our behavior, 60 to 80% of our behavior is what we, what was I call them intergenerational patterns is what we grew up with. And, um, and if I don't get, don't get affection from my father, if I don't ever have him tell me he's proud of me, then how am I going to be proud of myself? And then how am I going to show pride to other people? I'm going to think it's the right thing to do to, to not, to, to be hard on them or to, to not show positive emotion. And I like positive emotion, Shalene. I like, (laughs) I like a hug or I like, you know, I like being prized. I like people saying, hey, good job. But did it make you feel uncomfortable because it wasn't what you were used to? Yes. And I'll tell you that that's what I work a lot with people on. I had to work on it. I still have to work on it. It's, it's accepting and it's receiving. And it's when somebody gives me a compliment, it, it, and this is a great little tool for everybody out there. And when somebody gives you a compliment, challenge yourself to look them in the eyes and just just connect to their energy and just say, thank you. Mm. Don't argue about it. Don't say it wasn't anything because you're honoring them by doing that. And you're honoring yourself. And it, even now, Shalene, after all this work I did, sometimes I find myself wanting to deflect it. And I just really challenge, I really engage in that, that heartfelt thank you. That's such a great point. I think I myself have done it feeling as though I want to come across humble. And so, you know, I'll try to deflect it back to them or say, oh, no, I've had this blouse forever. You know, it doesn't even fit well. You know, you almost like reject the compliment and realizing that when you do that, you make the person who's given you this gift feel uncomfortable. 
or you make them feel wrong too. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I like to compliment people and sometimes people are like, and they just, they just totally blow it off. And, but I was doing it for them just to give them a little bright to their day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Remember that everybody, when the next time someone says something really nice to you, accept it, just look them in the eyes and say, thank you. It feels so, it's, it's, it's really giving them a gift back. One thing that's a very strong and consistent message for me is how important it is to create your own crazy, ridiculous, amazing, fun-filled life. And sometimes that is misinterpreted by people as meaning you have to have your own business or you, you have to be an entrepreneur. And I, I would love for you to speak to those individuals who really to help them understand how, how easy it is and, and how it can be done. And it might not be easy, but it is possible to fulfill your purpose and to feel joy even when you are working, as they say, quote unquote, working for the man or, or in a job or as an executive or as the CEO of someone else's company. Well, that's a great thing to talk about, Shaleen, because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. I've literally started three international software companies and then, then my last executive joy company. Um, I was a member, uh, I was on the board of EO, it's Entrepreneurs Organization, which is the largest. We have 10,000 entrepreneurs worldwide, all doing over a million dollars or more. So all my friends are entrepreneurs. And I can tell you without a doubt that only a very, very small amount of people should start their own business. Mm. And, you know, I know we get sold this thing of how awesome it is to own your own business, but you really have to be okay with risk. People come to me, so many people come, oh, I'm very entrepreneurial. And I said, well, what does that mean? They said, well, I think about business all the time and I have all these ideas. Well, entrepreneurism, it really isn't about business and it really isn't about ideas. It's about accepting risk. Mm -hmm. And so unless you're inherently okay with risk, don't start your own business mm -hmm. because it's not going to be fun. And uh, most business owners fail. You just never hear about them because it's not as fun a story. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I would also add to that, if you're the type of individual who's really, really motivated by doing a great job for other people, a pat on the back, um, recognition, being a part of a team, um, you know, being working towards employee of the month, that it just never happens when you own your own business. That isn't there. I mean, certainly you feel it internally, but it's not something that will be um, rewarded externally when you own your own business. There's just there isn't a um, awards assembly that you can throw for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, we, I've never tried that. That's a good idea, though. <laughs> I should make. I should just make myself employee of the month. I'm thinking I might do that. <laughs> there you go. So then, how does somebody find joy and and feel? I think the word I'm, I want for you to address is purpose, because I I think so many people feel like, well, if I'm if I have this job working retail or working in an office, how how will I ever find my purpose and and how will I ever live my purpose? Well, there's, there's a couple things to, to that. And we got to be careful because purpose is, is thrown around so much. And I know for me, my purpose has changed over my life. And, and, it, it, and so when we get this thought that I'm going to find the perfect job or start the perfect company, and for the next 40 years, I'm going to be living my purpose. Yeah, let's get that expectation out of our head because I think that's unrealistic. Yeah. Um, and you can have multiple purposes. You can have a family purpose. You can have a work purpose. And you can have a friend's purpose. So it, let's, just, let's just be open with that, that word. If you're not happy in your job now, let's start with that. Mm -hmm. there, there's probably a disconnect. Disconnect with what you're doing, disconnect with who's around you, and disconnect with the organization, whether it's their vision or, or, and their values and what they're in business for. 
So those are the three things you want to look at for. Are you doing something you like? Are the, do you like the people around you? And do you like working for that company? Can you change those things? I can change those things. Okay. Yes. And so if, if someone's listening right now and they go, okay, check, I do not live, I do not work with people I like, I do not like what I'm doing, and I don't know if I agree with the values of the guy or gal at the top. Can I change that without quitting? Well, that's it. And, and I wouldn't, and people make such a big deal about quitting. And th- th- there's n- no better, easier way to, to change your environment and normally to get a salary increase than to move, or, to move organizations. And I like that you called it move organizations as opposed to quitting. Yes. And, that's a, and we, we get so much better experience when we go from one organization to another. We always think that the, the organization we're with can't live without us. Every organization has ever lived mm-hmm. when one person has, has quit. <laughs> and, and, yeah. it, and it's not your responsibility for that organization. I mean, there's, there's graceful ways to, to do that. You know, make sure you communicate. Sometimes you can even go to the organization and say, hey, you know, I'm not happy here. This is why I'm not happy. I'm going to look for another position. Why don't I give you two months notice? Mm-hmm. And and honor them. I mean, you have to use your intuition and and think what works right for your own situation. But there's so many great organizations out there, and by you sticking with an organization you you are not happy with, you're not giving your all. I mean, you might be putting a lot of effort in, but you're not giving your best, mm-hmm. and it, you're actually doing them a disservice. You're doing them a, you a disservice. You're doing somebody else who may enjoy that job a disservice. So we get into this martyrdom. I got to stick in there. I got to do it. I don't care if it, you know, I gave this commitment. I got to do it no matter what. You know, that's another pattern we get into is being a martyr. Quit being a martyr. Do what works for you because then the whole world is better off. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I think we do that sometimes because it comes from a place of fear. We say, oh, just suck it up. It's not that bad. When we're telling ourselves, and you know, I've got to be tougher, and we're really telling ourselves those things because we have fear of an unknown outcome. I know that I, I need to move to an organization that appreciates my skills, where I feel as though what it is I know and my experiences are, are making this place better and that people appreciate me and honor the things that I bring to the table, in my opinion. But I'm not going to do that because I don't know the outcome. I think my boss might tell me I'm a jerk and and I fear what might happen. And so because of my fear, I allow self-doubt to keep me where I am. And then we, we you know, put some frosting on top of it by saying, well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this because it's not that bad. You know, you feel it, you know what's right, you know what's right, and you don't have to know the outcome. You just have to know worst case scenario happens. You just have to know what you will do. What will you do? Yes, exactly. And and, and this resistance and fear we, we all run into. I mean, I've done some awesome things in my life, and I still run into this. And Shailene, you may still run into some resistance and fear. Is that true? Oh, sure. Heck yeah. And it's funny, I came out with a book and the book's called The Experiment. It's called The Experiment because it talks about when we make changes in our lives, if we can call them experiments, it takes all the pressure off, quote unquote, winning or losing. I love it. So if I, you know, maybe I'm doing job A and I think I'd like job B and say, why don't I do, why don't I try job B as an experiment for two months? If it doesn't work, I'll just get, you know, I look at my financial situation. Like you said, what's the worst case scenario? Am I covered for this? It is going to be a risk. I may or may, the, the truth is I may or may not like this, but I can either sit there, sit and think about it and analyze it for the next two years, or I can go do it and know 
And by calling an experiment, if I don't like it, I didn't lose. I just learned. So we can, from this day forward, take the word failure. I've always been looking for another word. And I think we've just stumbled upon it. It was an experiment. I've had so many experiments. You could call me a scientist. <laughs> well, that's awesome because the only way you fail in an experiment is not to try it. That's right. That's amazing. Tell me about what type of response you've had to your book. Well, I'm really proud of it. And I've had great response because it, it's, I put all this stuff into it, easy to read story. It's got exercises behind it. It really, it talks about creating experiment, experiments in your life. It talks about, it, it gives you real life tools of how to take ownership of your life. You know, people come to me and they say, hey, Mike, you got this cool, you're very lucky. You got this life where you travel around, you speak, you're right. It's, it's, you're very lucky. I'm like, well, I do have a cool life. Thank you. But, you know, I didn't get this by accident. I mean, this is something I set out to do. And so instead of thinking we're, we're actually thinking people are lucky is actually a, a victimhood state. If we move into ownership state of how we're going to create our life, that's what the book helps us do is to take ownership of our life. Are you living the life today that you designed? And if, is there anything that's just being really, really honest? Is there anything that's still, you're still working on it? It's still like a missing piece. Yeah, you know, I, I'm building a brand, the Executive Joy R. Michael Anderson brand, mm -hmm. and um, I'm still building it. And I believe when I'm going to be a little further in building it, I don't have to build the brand as much as get my message out there. So I know you do some some stuff, Shailene, about building your tribe. I'm still putting a lot of more effort into building the tribe than I am is spreading my message. Got it. You know, I know this is probably something you would attribute to a really low point in your life um, where you just you really had to connect with your own spirituality. But for those people who feel like, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm at like a rock bottom or that the rug's been pulled out from under me, but to helping people understand how connecting with their spirituality as it relates to their work, how, how does one do that? Well, that's a great, great thing to talk about. Um, you know, spirituality and work, and, and my definition of spirituality is is that we're all connected and we're all love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. And, and to really go into this, we have to really look at some definitions because there's so much out there about spirituality and religion, et cetera. And so putting religion aside, spirituality means that, that I'm here of service that, and that everything that happens to me is for a reason. And it's up to me to see the lesson in that or not. And, you know, that's free will. I believe as, as souls, we all have free will. And, the, the, and, and it's up to us to make these decisions to, to whether I learn these soul lessons or not. And when I'm truly aligned and I have that, that faith that the universe is, is anything that it puts in front of me is for my learning and growth, I, I'm happy about everything. And, and when I say I'm happy about everything, I, I really see the, the, the blessing and the lesson. You know, my, when my divorce, I kept telling myself in my divorce, I'm like, look, I'm going to be, I've learned so much about myself and about relationships through this. And I had to go through that. I, I could not have read this in a book. I couldn't have got this from a mm -hmm. coach or a therapist. This is something I had to learn firsthand. So suck it up and start thinking about when I'm going to be free. And, uh, and it all worked out because I, I learned so much about myself. I, I, and I'm good friends with my ex and, and, and I know that that was part of my path. And so how can I judge my path? How can I get angry at something that I had to go through to learn a lesson and to make myself stronger and a better person? Wow, what an uplifting perspective. And I, I salute you for that because it's, it's perspective. It really is. It boils down to that. But perspective is also something people develop out of habit. And so you had to change that habit, I assume. <laughs> Just, yep. you know, be honest. How, how hard was that? And, and do you still oh, struggle yeah. with it? 
It was hard in the beginning. I mean, because I had no emotional intelligence or spirituality before I started this program at 35. So the first year of the two-year program, I was I was not a good student. I would argue with the teacher. <laughs> At some point, the teacher's like, look, Michael, your, your ego is trying to, your analytical mind is trying to figure this out. You just got to have faith and fake it till you make it because if you do the work, you'll get it. And I did. It was the right thing. It's not what I wanted to hear, but it was the right thing to hear at, at the time. Yeah. So, you know, and these are how you, it's exactly right. These intergenerational patterns, the, these things that we're into, they're all habits. They're all the way our brain has been and our emotions have been trained to, to, to react and to interact and respond to things. And, and this is in the simplest form. It's just creating new habits for ourselves, getting rid of the old habits and new habits. It's not always easy. It's not always going to happen in one hour, but it, it, they're just habits and it's just learning and repeating and practicing. So, and we're coming up on the end of our interview, but I, I want to offer to those people who are conflicted and don't know if they're in the right place, if it's a matter of changing their perspective or, as you said, moving organizations. So how, if I'm you know, sitting listening to this, how do I evaluate whether or not it's a matter of me changing my perspective or just really, as you say, listening to your intuition and knowing that you're in the wrong place? Is there a checklist? I'll tell you, some, uh, a nice thing to do is to sit down with a close friend, ask the close friend just to listen mm. so that the close friend cannot give any advice. You know, maybe if you say something, they can if it catch you in the inconsistency. They can ask an open ended question like, what did you mean by that? Or that doesn't make sense with that. Have a close friend just listen and tell them your situation. And 99 percent chance you're going to figure it out yourself. So is it your belief that oftentimes people just let these ideas bounce around in their head and they don't put them on paper or actually speak them? And when we do sometimes both of those things, we find clarity. Yeah. And if we had a little more time, we can talk about how to put them on paper. You're exactly right. Journaling is a great thing because when we have these things um, running around in our mind, it's because our mind's trying to structure them. Mm -hmm. So the mind actually can't get to get to a, a solution because it, it's trying to, it needs a way to categorize and structure things to get to an answer. Mm. That's great. Michael, how, how do people find out more about you and your book and, and become a member of your tribe? <laughs> well, I'm happy to bring more people into the tribe, especially your, your great tribe, Thank Shailene. You. And um, the two websites are executivejoy.com. So that's executivejoy.com. And there's actually links to the book site is experimenttoday.com, experimenttoday.com. And my contact info is on there. And I'll, if anybody purchases the book and then emails me a receipt, at uh, just do it through the contact forms there. You'll get the, the, all the stuffs right there. If they okay. email receipt that they bought the book, I'll send them a five minute audio procrastination toolbox. And if it's a five minute inspirational audio, really get your butt moving. And mm -hmm. if they if they review it and send me a screenshot of the review, I'll send them a, a, a forty five minute audio of one of my full presentations of overcoming procrastination. And that we, we normally sell that for about $99. That's so. awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for that offer. And I, of course, if you're listening and you're driving your car, uh, I will include the link to all of Michael's um, websites and how you can get in touch with him on my show notes, which is shaleenjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And Michael, are you ready for a whole bunch of emails? Bring it on. We got, we got it covered. I hit That's awesome. And I would love to invite you to join me for a podcast on Build Your Tribe because I what I love about your story is how you've been able to become an Amazon bestseller by doing something that I like to refer to as 
passion marketing. It's not email marketing. It's not affiliate marketing. It's just really allowing the people who know and trust you to understand how passionate you are about something. And when that happens, you can become a a bestseller without having a huge email list, without all of the traditional ways that people become bestselling authors. So we'll have to have you back to share that story. Absolutely. Anytime. Anything to help you out. I love it. Well, it's been great speaking with you. Lifers, please be sure to check out all of Michael's websites and download that book. It's such great information. It's so in alignment with what we do here at The Shaleen Show. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today, Michael. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I mean, how cool that we we live in an age like this where you can meet people by listening to them on your phone or while you're driving or on a podcast. And it's amazing how people who you don't see face to face can change your life. And just by applying some of the techniques that Michael shared today, you can begin to transform your life. Depending upon when you're listening to the show, I encourage you to check out the Smart Success Academy. When you're ready to take that step, it is something I would love to have you become a part of. So please check out smartsuccessseminar.com. And and even if we've closed admissions for this year, you'll be first to be notified when we open up next time, next year. Well, until I have the opportunity to spend this time with you again, I just want to let you know I'm blessed to have your trust and blessed to have shared this time with you. 